Hello, what is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to the Built on Bitcoin podcast, where we're covering everything going on in the Stacks ecosystem. And today, I have Sungmin Om on the podcast. Sungmin is the CEO and co-founder of Lucidify, which has created StackSwap. I'm sure you've seen it. And uh, yeah, StackSwap is trying to become the permissionless decentralized finance application on Bitcoin. It's just the application unlocking Bitcoin uh, DeFi truly via Stacks. And they have a whole suite of tools from uh, swapping, pooling, staking, token launchpad. And that's just the stuff that you see on the front end. Their expertise is really in... AI research. And so they're doing a ton of work on the back end, uh, trying new things with forecasting and just using big data sets to get better information. So super interesting conversation. Um, yeah, I trying to think back on what we just talked about. There's so many different rabbit holes we could have gone down and just like deep dive for an hour long. So I think you'll enjoy this one, so let me not talk anymore. Let's just jump right into it with Sugman Om, CEO of Lucidify. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. Today I got uh, Sugman here with me. How are you doing, my friend? Great, great to be up early <laughs> and get ready for the interview. Love to hear it. I'm uh, I'm excited to chat. I see that you guys just released an updated UI for what you guys are been working on. And you guys launched a little bit ago, but I'd love to just start with kind of the basics and a little bit of your background. What's your expertise and what's your kind of like wheelhouse? So I've lowered my PhD language to start the company. We are all AI and data security researchers. And our interest in Blockchain and DeFi in particular over the years has led us here. And we've built multiple DeFi projects or different blockchains. And we really enjoyed the journey. And now we are all in on stacks. Okay. And why out of all the things you guys could have chosen, you know, there's there's so much liquidity in Ethereum. You could probably get more money on the front end, maybe. Like why why, why choose stacks? So uh, we're a bit of an idealist. And so we want to bring a true decentralized finance to Bitcoin, like, you know, the largest, oldest, the most secure blockchain ecosystem, right? So, and we believe Stacks was the best solution to make such things possible because number one, Stacks allows smart culture functionality on Bitcoin. And well, everybody knows that. And number two, this is actually more important. The POX consensus mechanism of Stacks inherently allow it to have potential for native Bitcoin transaction from stack smart contract calls, which is something that does not exist on any other major blockchain. And uh, this is a significant advantage of stacks over any other existing solution because you know you couldn't have a native smart contract call and then you can move the Bitcoin because it's so tightly coupled with the Bitcoin through the mining process. So when I saw that, like, dude, this is it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a huge unlock. And to, to double click on that, because we hear a lot about that, like, Stacks is connected to Bitcoin, you know, POX is this kind of like unique novel consensus mechanism. And we're all trying to find that holy grail where I can just like send my BTC from 
my wallet or even Coinbase, and it goes straight into the the DeFi protocol, and I could use it in all the cool ways that Ethereum users get to use it. It doesn't seem like we're there yet, though. Like we're still kind yeah. of using these these band aid things. Since you're so close to it, where are we at currently in like the current functionality versus like what's coming down the pipeline? So like all the pieces are there, almost there, <laughs> except the native Bitcoin transaction call from Stack Smart Contract, which is kind of possible. It, it, in a way, it's there because of a um, POX contract, probably one of the first contracts to be used in the stacks. It distributes Bitcoin, right? Like to the mining process, uh, a stack, stacking process. So I guess what really needs to be done is to integrate uh, Bitcoin wallet into the Hero wallet. It's kind of possible right now because if you have if you create a stacks wallet then you could kind of sign into your bitcoin wallet and well just in terms of like user interface it's you know not that friendly for everyday users yet but all the potential is there they just need to iron things out and get things out the way some of the like priorities such as like hyperchain and i think it's going to be there like hopefully within this year (laughs) Okay. And I've heard murmurs that Stacks 2.1 is going to bring some new functionality. Do you know anything about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, but there, there's so many things uh, on, on the priority queue that just keep on getting pumped up back and forth. So we'll have to see, man, like until it comes out. But like, you know, guys are working on the, the core code, like June and them, they're, they're geniuses. So I'm sure you will see something awesome when it's out. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I like to pop into the blockchain like weekly meeting and I have no idea what they're saying, but I just kind of sit in the background and just like feel smart and try and pick up a couple of keywords. It's it, it's cool to see that and they're and they're working on it. Well, let's let's then jump into what you guys are working on. So give us the broad you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but what what is StackSwap? What are you building? Our value and like our, our kind of like a mission statement is that we, we, we want to deliver an easy approach to fully fledge decentralized finance into Bitcoin via stacks. So, and one of the most important keywords that we focus on, I think, is permissionless. Like we believe the word decentralized should mean permissionless, right? Like if you ask someone for permission to do things, it's it's a centralized project, not a DeFi. So, like, what does it mean uh, by permissionless? Uh, I think it means you could do what you want without the approval of a centralized operating party. So for in context of an exchange and token generation launchpad like ours, uh, this means you know one can issue and list publish their own coin on blockchain without anyone's approval, uh, including us. And this is crucial, I think, especially for smaller projects because they're generally not well-funded or like, you know, some small, like nonprofit projects too. Um, and need to move forward as soon as possible, right? Everybody's, you know, in competition and we have no time nowadays. But if you need to ask permission from, from an exchange to list and publish coin in the blockchain, it, is, it, it inevitably creates a lot of, you know, costs, both in terms of time and money. So we want to bring decentralized finance to the masses, like those who are even not well-equipped with tech, you know, I want to let them be able to participate like right away as soon as possible. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, the core team members were researchers. So like we have the spirit to like invent new tech, try to make a social impact with it. And when you think about it, the ability to create their own money and allowing anyone to exchange them against others, it, it just was only possible only for the powerful few until very, very recently. And that's what we are 
we like to bring uh like the, you know to bring more freedom for the people to just do what they want um and in a way this i believe is like a major difference between us and others in, in a sex ecosystem um we have this cypherpunk culture to the core i mean like how cool is it that like we could actually do so many things that were only possible you know in fictions lately i believe with, with a lot of effort I'm sure we could endow power to the masses and just give them the choices to participate in the wide range of economies that they want. Uh, so yeah, sex swap is uh, like, I mean, we, we have this exchange mechanism right now, and I think it's vital to any economy. And yeah, we want to keep it open for, for more people, easy access and all. Okay. You got... You touched on like five things I found fascinating. So I'm trying to pick what thread to pull. Um, but let, let's start with the, the point you just ended on, which is the, the swapping mechanism. The way that I interpret that is the reason it's so powerful is because the ability to enter and exit a token is like being able to enter and exit a country or a community. Like it's, it's free. It's like free flowing trade in all aspects. And so if I don't believe in what that token's doing because some fundamental change, I can all leave and I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, stuck and have to vest or anything. I can just freely move to that next thing. It, what, what is the power? Like what, what is that unlock to be able to have this free open access and swapping across all these tokens that you guys are offering? In order for you to be able to jump from one economy to another, there has to be a lot of options, right? Um, and uh, right now, stacks being a bit it, now is being more mature. Um, until recently, it was in nascent stage uh, of of a DeFi at least. So we need to provide some kind of like an easy mechanism people to just enter this stacks slash Bitcoin DeFi ecosystem, and not everybody could develop in clarity, right? And you know have time to learn it and write code and publish it while they prepare for their business or nonprofit organization matter. One of the issues that we ran into, like of all the blockchain projects that we tried and the other blockchain, um, there's so much time and, and a bit of money that it takes to even get like simple audits. And without this audit paper, you can't move forward to do anything. So we allow people to have this free, pre-audited token contracts, you know, they could just use. <laughs> and... That will lower the barrier of entry um, to create this different economy. Now, then, of course, you could like list right away and swap among each other, and yeah, now that allows this, you know, free like flow plus a network effect, and th that's what we try to aim for. Um, yeah, so it, both of them together. It, it it sounds like it's almost like it's like the world's in its perfect conception, it's like the world's best like foreign exchange where you can come in with like, let's say the best form of money like BTC and you bring it in and then you can fork it to any other currency in the world that you want to and, and, and go down that path. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. The other thing you said, and, and there's, I think we're seeing it right now with, with decentralization, with sanctions when it comes to what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. And we're seeing like, not only is the old financial systems kind of like beholden to some of those rules, but the bigger exchanges that we thought are more like above that in a sense and, and more to crypto like ethos uh, also have to play by those rules or suffer even worse consequences. How does that come into play where, 
you know, there's this there's this give and take between decentralization and censoring things that collectively we deem as negative. How do you guys find that balance? How do you protect yourself from always being decentralized and censorship resistant? Um, so you can't be completely decentralized and anonymous. I mean, it's maybe it's possible to a certain degree, but nowadays, unless you don't use your phone anymore, <laughs> you know, it's, your information is out there and it's very difficult to hide it completely. Uh, and some degree of centralization, I don't think it's possible to avoid it, at least for now. And But what we want to aim for is eventually like, you know, something that I don't really want to fight the the current regulations. I don't think it, it's good for the community as a whole. Like if, I mean, you can fight it, but like it won't allow you to grow as much. You know what I mean? We need, we need to have more people um, in the community. So like, I want to find a way to be okay with the regulation, but at the same time, provide as much censorship resistance um, as possible. So that needs decentralization, right? So I think like um, like the way the DeFi project's been running is, is pretty brilliant. Like you have this core code that does the exchange functionality on a blockchain. So it's like all the backend is in the blockchain and nobody can touch it. It's already published. And at the same time, you service it through a front end, you know, and using that smart contracts that you deployed. So you can have some kind of a centralized operation. But if you ever, you know, get um, some kind of sanction or if you do cannot allow people to join um, through your front end that you operate centrally, they could still access it through blockchain, although it needs a bit of a, you know, learning and, and coding probably. But it has a inherent um, censorship resistance to the financial market. One thing that, that fascinated me into DeFi when Uniswap first started um, was I was trading in a centralized exchange uh, using like AI algorithm at the time. And, uh, you know, it happens sometimes like you can't get a connect connection to the exchange whenever there's this large price fluctuation, somehow mysteriously the server gets shut down and <laughs> your position gets liquidated sometimes, right? Uh, and like, ah, I got so sick of it. Like, is there any way that like I could get to a market that cannot stop me from getting access to it? And well, there, there was like Uniswap when I saw it, like, wow, this, this is the future. And, um, yeah, so I want to bring that into Bitcoin, <laughs> but then, you know, it's, it took a while <laughs> to like find like the means to do that. And I think uh, we're, we're getting close. Um, I'm very excited. It's, it's so powerful. It's I don't fully grasp it until you you explained it like that, where it's like, we all know that the blockchain is this like distributed ledger. And so like the copies of it are running all over the world. And if you know how to connect with the blockchain, you can pull data as you see fit and interact with it, manipulate it, or send transactions again to this like permissionless, like anybody can mine, anybody can send transactions and update the state. Um, and, and it seems like that, that one thing that we're kind of missing is that, how do we fully decentralize, you know, the harder things like DNS or, a, you know, technical front end? Because then we can, they literally can't stop what's going on. Every piece yeah, of yeah. it is there. And you probably need to run like a network, you know, like community run network, <laughs> you know, like everybody run their own Wi-Fi uh, hotspot so that people can connect oh. the mesh network, bring it to the satellite. There'll be the volunteers. Uh, all that needs to be done. 
I, I want to be able to support it. Once we have enough money, <laughs> we might. That's, uh, I, we I want to see that. that. Uh, yep, yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna create our own Comcast and all these different ISPs. Absolutely, and, and, and anyone could just get an access to internet, thus blockchain, like right away. Um, That's powerful. Okay, I'm gonna come back to some of the more specific stack swap stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to touch on some of the stuff that you worked on with when it comes to AI. And I heard in a previous interview, I think it was with Gina, we talked about how you guys had an expertise in black swan events. And my only connection with that is really reading, trying to read Nassim Taleb's book, uh, Black Swan. And it's, it's a heady book. I don't fully grasp it. What, what is a black swan event? And how do, you, how do you study those things? So black swan event is something that is very, very improbable, but nonetheless does happen. Uh, and this is especially important for risk mitigation in finance because you, you just need to basically predict things you cannot predict, but you have to predict it or you, you get damaged from it, right? Um, and it, it's always been fascinating to me because like this, you know, there's like a pattern recognition. There's some kind of like a set rules of like you try to fit a data into some kind of equation, maybe uh complex or simple, maybe neural network, you, you try to fit it in. So non-black swan event detection or forecast, it's kind of like already been laid out. There's somewhat of optimality, uh, you know, depending on some kind of computation that you do. And uh, you could kind of like a roughly, like get some idea of what's going to happen in the future. If assuming the data pattern is consistent, but I mean, what if it's not? <laughs> That's what black swan event is about, right? So whatever was happening you know, all the time. And so all of a sudden it doesn't. <laughs> and that I think is like something human beings can't do, you know, just be able to recognize the pattern and see what's going to happen next. We can, you know, like, you know, we see what happens like seasons and, and all that, like, you know, we could kind of do it, but in terms of things like black swan event, there's something we can't do. Like I, I see like, this is like the next level of AI. Like you can't do it with the traditional algorithm. You need to come up with something new. And that's like, and maybe it's impossible to have a general solution for it, you know? So that's why it's, although we haven't solved it yet, of course, <laughs> but we're getting some, some breakthroughs uh, starting a couple of years ago, actually. And if we got this during our student years, we could have been like world famous researchers <laughs> by now. We just started working uh, after we started business. And yeah, like it was a bit surprising. One, one of the, like, let me tell you, share a bit of a secret. When we first started out, we tried to fit in, like feed in all the data you can, like Twitter feed, you know, news, you name it, YouTube, like whatever, and just shove it in, and have a gigantic neural network turn stuff out, and have a complex model work things out, and it ended up being a noise. <laughs> and it, it it came to me one day, like, so if you have a child, and if you teach this child like anything like indiscriminately, it, it doesn't make this child smart, right? So you have to teach only smart stuff. So this concept of data evaluation stepped in. So like depending on the data, some data is worth more than another. So we make sure the AI doesn't learn some of the stuff. Now it started working a little bit and we end up looking at only the market data that actually performs much better. So like, I'm sure there are things we can detect from Twitter feed and you know, like, you know, stuff you can, can get from the internet. Uh, from other sources, but we, we just got rid of that 
because it's very difficult to do analysis. I mean, you can kind of tweak the performance, but it's difficult to see why it did such, you know, so we can't improve it easily. So if you only look at the market data, then it's, you know, one dimensional is much easier. I mean, even if you include volume, it's, it's not that high dimensional. So um, and it's just number. Uh, and yeah, so it's, it makes it much more manageable to analyze and that actually helped us in the long run. So, I mean, we're still tweaking and it's, I, I'm, I think I'm going to look into it for the rest of my life, like until I'm like 90 years old, because <laughs> okay. it might not ever be solved, but by itself, it's fascinating subject and it has very, very important usage and you could protect people from getting burned, you know, like if you can do that, like almost like 10 Black Swan event, if you could take only one, even that would be like good enough, right? So it, it, it has clear uh, use cases and it's fascinating. So, yeah, that's so, uh, very interesting. Yeah, I remember when I read uh, Taleb's book, he talks about the the turkey and Thanksgiving is like the clear example where like the turkey gets fed every day by the farmer and he thinks the farmer is his friend and there's no, <laughs> there's no problems. Like every day at sunrise, he comes and he shows up and he, he makes me fat. And it's great. It's a great relationship <laughs> until that last day where he makes his demise. And so just to understand my, my thinking a little bit, um, it sounds like the way that this works is you don't really know what variables uh, you can exactly plug in, but you just kind of feed it data and, and start to, maybe the machine, machine would find patterns of like other animals that get fed on a consistent scale sometimes so, have a random demise. Is that, um, is that kind of how it pattern matches? Well, it's, it's slightly different. Um, so what we try to focus is we try to understand what normal is as detailed as possible because you can't know what you, what you don't know, you know? <laughs> and you have to know what you don't know in order to predict black swan events perfectly, right? And this information asymmetry like, is what, you know, do not allow us to predict it. And so whatever stuff that happens that looks weird, let's say like, Oh, he was feeding me every day with saying same stuff. And all of a sudden he was too happy <laughs> feeding me in the morning. Like, oh, <laughs> maybe something's going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, okay. That, that's that kind of like that, stuff we use. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Um, and then you put some notes in here and I'm really curious about this. So you said uh, you're talking about the convergence of AI and blockchain and, and how that could be an important an important milestone for like the future of these things. Where, what's the landscape of that? What, how do these things intersect? Um, I mean, it's nothing much had been going on. <laughs> I, I think nothing tangible because although it's fascinating, it, it's the culture is slightly different. And recently there have been some work here and there trying to do, run some artificial neural network model on some kind of distributed system that, could be like a blockchain. There are some projects that were doing it, um, some Chinese projects like two, three years ago. And then after that, no, nothing much went on. And what I and the rest of my team were interested in are not, well, I mean, infrastructure stuff also is a bit of a, um, a bit of importance. But what we're more interested in is how to bring in governance. I mean, how to automate the governance of of the blockchain ecosystem with AI as much as possible. Because when you think about it, like until recently, right? Like the, the trust could not be automated. Like I see blockchain as something that automated trust. Because, you know, how do, we, how do I trust that, 
you know, you own X amount of Bitcoin. You know, somebody had to prove that before. Now nobody needs to prove it. It's automated. Now what's the next step? I mean, like, I mean, Plato had been criticizing democracy from from the Republic like like 2,400 years ago. It's, it's been a while, right? But that is the best system we have. And maybe this is about time that we could try to automate some of the governance um, with the new technology that we have. I mean, AI needs to develop a lot more and blockchain does need to develop because competition over it won't like, you know, make it possible yet. But if it could, you know, blockchain ecosystem, you just mentioned it earlier. Like it's, it's like a whole new economy. And like, if you enter a token ecosystem, it's like a new country, right? And it's a microcosm of the world. It's very small and small amount of people and small parameters. Maybe some of these optimal actions might be feasible for a very small ecosystem and not much parameters, decision parameters to uh, mess with. So this is somewhere we could start out like experimenting and actually have community members benefited from this automation of governance. And I really think that should be the direction both AI and blockchain ecosystem needs to head towards. And I really believe the killer use case of AI could be governance. <laughs> so, I mean, we don't want all this kind of stuff, but like at least some part of it, we can, right? Um, I mean, that, that was my first thought. And I think that's everyone's, that's everyone's first danger is they, they go straight to the exact <laughs> worst case, which is like, we have these cyborg overlords that they just kind of like act like humans and they, they control us. Um, but I think we're already seeing it. Like when I first used a Tesla and I had it drive for me, I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Like the future is already here. It's, yeah, just yeah. In, these, it's in these beautiful cars that we're seeing pass by every day. And my, my regular friends that I talk to, if they haven't interacted with it, they're like, I would never trust that thing. There's no way it's going to be better than, than, a, than a human. There's, there's no chance. And I'm like, until you drive it, it's... Yeah, but it, once you have that experience, it's like totally it's, different, right? Yeah, it's, like, it, wow. it, it does... It does perfect lane keeping. It keeps the car in front of me. It's aware of everything around me. It doesn't get tired, you know, and, and, and we have a history of records. So like they could look at the data and go this, the chance of an autopilot Tesla getting in a crash is X percent lower than the average human. Let's, let's go with that and give you a, maybe a discount on your insurance or something because yeah. we trust the system more than that. Like, I, I think you're right. It starts in these small areas that are like, that now that I've driven a Tesla, I hate driving. It's such a waste of time. <laughs> like, can I just hit that button and be on my phone? Like, I got a book to read. Like, let me just let, let the car do its thing. It's going to start like that with small use cases, like driving or small decision making efforts. Yeah, and we'll just lever up over time. Yeah, uh, one of one of the stuff that we can automate is like token release schedule for the community. Like, how much to allocate a certain pool and how much to release the community? Like, what's the optimal number? You know, it's basically like input and output control theory problem. Um, and this is something the AI can do very well, like numbers <laughs> and factors to consider. So yeah, like um, we, we just want to try our, our best to make sure the sex up becomes popularized and there'll be more participants in the ecosystem. They're going to try all this AI stuff. You know, it could be Got super it. cool. Got it. That's That's very cool. And that's one of those things where uh it's almost in the background like they won't know it's going on they just know that for some reason stack swap works really really well and their yields are better whatever it is but it's all that it's all that back-end genius that's going on from like the pattern matching and the algorithms yeah yeah 
Um, very, that's, that's the vision. Very, <laughs> that's very interesting. So that's stuff that you're not working on right now. It's you guys have more priorities in front of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we are working on it in parallel. Uh, okay. But like, but we have to wait. Like, like I said, we have to wait until some of the stuff from foundation is in place, like hyperchain and many other things. Once it's there, then it's it'll be ready to go. Because without it, you can't really. Uh, I mean, we can model it, but dynamic between the blockchain and the centralized server and and see how things are going with the numbers. It's it's, it's a bit tricky. It has to be there. So the real model has to be there in order for us to like fine tune it. So we have to wait for a little bit until everything's ready. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, and I'm realizing, man, we're, we're just riffing so well right here. We're already at a half hour. Oh, um, <laughs> so I want to cover as much as I can in maybe this next 15 or so. Okay. Um, and we haven't even really discovered or talked about all the things that you guys offer. So we, we have discussed swapping. What's some of the other stuff that you guys offer with StackSwap? Uh, well, like the standard DeFi stuff, like pooling, which means people put up their LP token, lock it for X amount of time and get rewarded a StackSwap token. Staking, which is you lock up StackSwap token and get StackSwap token. It's like, you know, kind of like a loan almost. You're, you're lending it out for a fixed amount of time. Um, you can kind of consider it as that. Um, and... A lot of people do, you know, provide people some kind of economic incentive to grow the ecosystem, which was a standard model for the past couple of years. And yeah, we just started with that. And like this, what I really want to do, uh, like make it widely available is token launchpad. Uh, like I said earlier, it's like it will allow people to have pre-audited token contract. They could just spin it off and list and do all that at like one, one blockchain transaction. And it was very important because, I mean, Stacks blockchain, you know, the time is, is matched one-to-one to Bitcoin block time. So it, it wasn't as fast. So f- being able to finish everything in one transaction, like, was a huge time saver. But at the same time, right now, there are more clarity developers and more documentation. But even like a year ago, the community was much smaller and less documentation. So the learning curve was a lot steeper than, than it is right now. So you know, even if you want to participate in Stacks DeFi ecosystem, you couldn't. <laughs> but now you can, like, just come in and just do it. And even so, like, you know, we're basically like all developers and researchers. So we thought it was very super simple and easy, but it was still too user, uh, not user friendly, <laughs> our previous UI. So we, we put a major UI update recently to make it more friendly and more informative. And there'll be more to come. So our priority is to kind of like popularize this um, launchpad and maybe like market it properly so people could use it, like, you know, use it well. And maybe some of the, like, you know, some of the information about how to use it just bit uh, not clearly de- de- delivered to the community. So maybe we need to be more clear about that. There's like basically no fee. I mean, like a s- small fee structure to later on to connect it to the participants we, we just wired it in it but um the minimum amount of token that you need to own is yours you can always sell it anytime you want um so it's not like you pay listing fee enough. and there is uh ai nft <laughs> which is a bit sidetrack in a way uh if you see it on you know uh, on the top of it but before we get to that let's talk about sfx synthetic bitcoin so why another weird Bitcoin, <laughs> when there is Bitcoin. <laughs> so 
I mean, I see Bitcoin as much more stable storage of wealth than fiat currencies. So it's just my personal belief. And and also the belief of many many team members in the Stexop. So one of the problem of Bitcoin always being criticized is the scarcity, right? There's only so much Bitcoin, you won't be able to function as well as a currency. Well then why don't we just create something that's like asset backed that tracks the price of a Bitcoin, like die, you know, <laughs> but instead of tracking US dollar, tracking Bitcoin price. So we solve the scarcity issue by doing that. And It'll, like we want to experiment with the mechanism to convert any token asset into more stable Bitcoin asset. So uh, we, we want to like try, try to see how it works with our own tokens first. Then maybe somewhere down the road, we can offer it to like anybody who issued their token. They want to have more you know, stable asset-backed Bitcoin or whatever other asset they want to issue. Uh, so... Yeah, like we want to bring more variety and freedom into the ecosystem, like more more building blocks people can play with. So that was the main thing. And we we have some plans to make user adoption, you know, much more than right now. Only 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 few people are using it. And one of which was like this AI NFT market. We just wanted to try something to experiment with a new new type of NFT. So imagine you have a painting, but with gold. Even if nobody buys your painting. You can always extract that gold and sell it, right? And have some money out of it. So, which means like the AI NFTs that we, we issue right now, it, it has like this SFX BTC embedded in it. Every time there's a transaction, a little bit is um, stored more and more inside of a NFT. Once you burn it, then you can get the money back. So it inherently allows the lower bound of the worth of this particular NFT as, an, as a collateral. So, you know, this allows another like nft you know like base lending ecosystem too and not just with our token maybe you could try with some other people's token we could create a launch pad with it and like so this is a direction we're thinking so we want to create some kind of like a like a playground for everybody <laughs> or you know some kind of like a thought experiment uh, factory that could just turn things out just toss in their idea it'll pop out and yeah, and I want people to use it more so they could, I mean, there there probably will be a lot of amazing use cases of a DeFi and just we haven't thought of. And we just want to provide all these tools so people could use it and make it even better than it is right now. Very cool. Yeah, that's powerful. I, I mean, I think we see that with like the POX mechanism is powerful and it allows you to lock up your stacks to get your Bitcoin. And then... The POX Lite, we've seen the biggest use case is obviously Citicoins. Mm -hmm. and, and people must connect POX Lite to Citicoins, like they're synonymous. But it's just utilizing that thing. Like POX Lite could be used for all kinds of mechanisms. That's yeah, yeah. A, whole, a huge you, you design do, space. Yeah. Any community token, you can do that. Um, you could issue audited POX Lite token from Stacksoft right now, too. Like, you don't need to. I mean, like, you, you can do it probably, but like, a lot of you know, people who are not well-versed with clarity. It's, it's pretty scary and all that, the VRF and, you know, how are you going to make it? And you need inter user interface to allow people to stake and stack and mine and all. And um, we could ship all that, like, at once. And you could just use it. Do that's whatever powerful. you want with it. That's that's so necessary. I, I love that. That's, that. that's very cool. People need to play with that. Um, okay, I want to switch gears a little bit because you guys were in the first cohort of Stacks Accelerator, which was super, super cool to watch you guys kind of like 
go from the beginning and then demo day. And, you know, now you're live and you've had V1 and you have V2 now, which is like a, a whole redesign. It's, it, it's, it's a light years ahead of the last, the last design. Like it looks so good. Uh, how was Thank the you. accelerator and how is it being in the cohort one up until when you started to search for funding? How was that process? So, I mean, right before the cohort one, we were in other accelerator program, like uh, SOSV's China Accelerator, um, Batch 19, I think. So we did get some basics down. But what we learned the most, uh, I mean, it's, of course, always helpful to learn things like over and over again that, that are important. Well, what was most helpful was to get this tip on how to approach investors and, you know, and interact with them a lot. So, like, I feel like, I could talk to any investor right now and like within 10 seconds, I know whether they're going to invest or not. Like I, I oh, like I get it. Like, so you, you know, sometimes you match, sometimes you don't. And there, there are ways to approach the investors too. Usually the investors, like um, the VCs are divided into three categories. The guys who believe in more team more or product more or market more. I mean, people care about all three, but there's always this, you know, like, difference between these three so like you look through their articles they publish somewhere that you know <laughs> so, okay this guy's product based so i emphasize on product stuff <laughs> and all that and and yeah just through the process like i got so familiar with it so we, we raised like a little more than four million dollar in like a couple of months real quick and yeah it was, it was awesome and getting this because as an entrepreneur you need to constantly raise money like forever <laughs> like always <laughs> And getting that tip to like start out was was very important, and I think um, it was very helpful. And like among so many other help we got from Stacks Accelerator, uh, I think this was like the best help for us. And after we got out of it, there's constant intro they they made for us to the new investors, and yeah, they're just basically we were like a big family, <laughs> uh, getting help with each other, so it was great. Um, and is and is there how? How do I word this? So you're getting you're getting courted by investors. Are you also judging like who is this person I'm investing from? Do I want them on my like? There's a, there's, it's a two way two way side. Of course, like, of course, you know? yes. So how how was that process? So, I mean, I try to avoid uh, the people who are more into like a hit and run type of business, which is not a problem, and there's nothing wrong with it. Just different investment style. So I I try to get some like hands-on investors that who invest in their project and they want to like get involved and like pitch in the idea and, you know, try to have the journey together. I mean, like we all here to make money, but might as well have fun with it. Right. Where, where we do this and the guys who I'm with, they only care about money, which, which is important, but if they only care about money, it, it's not as fun. If they like the journey and just, you know, uh, have this experience together uh, that I think that's, that's what's worth it. So when I, when I talk to uh, like a big VC firm, I, we try to find out their culture, like when they invest or they try to help, like, you know, like, or, you know, what are they trying to do with, with their portfolio companies? So we, yeah, that's, that's, that's the basic thing that we try to make decision upon. Uh, are they more hands-on uh, more long-term investors? Um, yep. Got it. Okay. Well, last question I have, and I try to end these on these kind of like a more like off in the weeds high note. So if we're looking at stack swap in five years, which I know is crazy because, you know, crypto moves so fast, so much can change all this. 
but like w- what's a perfect home run look like where you know you guys have executed everything's gone perfectly in, in five years from now like we want to be the place for all bitcoin DeFi. you come in and do anything bitcoin DeFi. this is where you come i mean that'd be the perfect scenario beautiful so, yeah. okay i love it i love it's it's short concise and just like that's that's what we're working towards we're, we're the place we're it i love it uh well man this has been a great conversation segment any any closing thoughts that you want to kind of like anything i missed or anything you want to leave for the audience um well we're not very proficient at marketing ourselves at least not yet uh which we are trying very hard to improve but there's just plenty of things you can take advantage of from stack swap so please try things out and give us feedbacks and we'll deliver what you need and even more probably so yeah just feedbacks Try things out. Give it a shot. And, w- and what's the best way if they play with it and they want to give some feedback directly? Where's the best place to keep in touch? Discord. With yeah. Discord. Come to, our, yeah, come to our Discord. And yeah, we'll even if you don't respond right away, we'll we'll get to it. <laughs> so okay. we all get to every single problem. So um, we will eventually. And and just so people hear it clearly, what's the website to get to get access to the app? It's www.stackswap.org. Perfect. So, yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Sungman, man. I mean, I feel like I could, there's so many more things when it comes to AI or uh, pooling and forecasting. I, we could talk for hours. Maybe yeah. we'll do a, a round two in the future when you guys have been building yeah, yeah, for yeah, a man. while. Like, totally. Let's, let's do this again. Like whenever we launch stuff out and yeah, anytime. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right here waiting. I'm waiting now, I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out, make it out, cause I don't think about everything going wrong.